Welcome to WP Tonic Roundtable Podcast, where a panel of leading WordPress junkies discusses the latest WordPress and internet stories of the week. Now, on with the show with your moderator, Jonathan Denwood. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable show. We've got a small panel, but determined. They might have been depleted by the disease that's sweeping the world, but they're great panelists. We've got a great show on this Friday, the 13th of March. Um, we record this normally at 8.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, and you can join us and watch the show live on the WP Tonic Facebook page. So I'm going to let my powerful but small panel introduce themselves. I've got Spencer. Spencer, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Sure. Spencer Foreman from LaunchFlows.com. And I've got my friend Sally. Sally, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, yes, I'm Sally Getch, the WP fangirl and organizer of the East Bay WordPress uh, meetup, which has had to cancel its uh, event for this weekend, and uh, it will be going online for uh, April and May. All right, wise, all online. Um, before we go into the main stories of the week. Um, I want to talk about one of our great sponsors and their support of the show is much appreciated. And that's Launch Flows. And what does Launch Flows do for you and your clients? Well, basically, if you're looking for a modern uh, a plugin that can help you build modern funnels, not only in WooCommerce, but all sorts of funnels, you need to look at Launch Flows. And, you know, a lot of people are really into their funnels. They spend a lot of money with click funnels. It can be up to $297 per month. But with some free plugins that work with LaunchFlow and your most popular page builder plugin can be one of them, you can, for yourself or for your clients, you can build really fantastic funnels for them now if that sounds really interesting go over to launch flows and they're giving us a great deal as well you can use a coupon code wp tonic rocks i repeat that wp tonic rocks and you'll get 25 percent off off the price of the plugin what more could you ask for so go over there so let's start to the show. WooCommerce 4 lands with a new admin interface updated on boarding experience. What did you think of this one, Spencer? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I spent all my time in WooCommerce with launch flows and otherwise. So uh, I was originally going to hold off on actually using this live because I wanted to test any 4.0 or 0.0 something, especially WooCommerce. You should wait. I, <laughs> I have some automated update processes that tripped up and it updated it. Uh, so far, so good. Um, I think from what I read in the documents, most of what it does is actually not going to affect the front end or not going to affect the products. Um, one of the things that is happening, which is a really positive outcome, is that the development cycle is keeping up with people's starting to grow into larger businesses and more activity with WooCommerce. So primarily, it was... Um, their actions and the things that have to do with tracking orders on the back end that needed to be improved because when you scale, you need more efficiency. So long story short, um, I still recommend anybody who uses WooCommerce, don't jump into this because a lot of plugins that use WooCommerce will have to catch up, right, with the release. But since I accidentally fell into the pool with my clothes on, 
it didn't break anything. So that was the good news. What do you reckon, Sally? Uh, well, I had the, uh, uh, Spencer and I fell into the same pool. We, we were maybe, you know, pushed simultaneously. Uh, I have a couple of clients on, on WooCommerce, um, three, maybe four. Uh, and um, uh, the updates have, have not been a problem. I mean, basically, you know, I'm sitting there and manage WP and it says, yo, you know, you've got to update the date, the WooCommerce database on these four uh, websites. Um, so I went in and updated the database and noticed, you know, there's, oh, this list of actions and, and uh, various notices about X and Y and just kind of, you know, checked things. It's like, well, everything seems okay at the moment. Uh, you know, we're going to have to uh, probably look at some of this in, 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 in greater detail, but it appears to be working. I mean, like Spencer, I usually prefer to wait a bit to make sure that all of the extensions have also been updated uh, when that's necessary because I have known uh, for things to break when, uh, you know, when something hasn't been uh, updated to go along with, uh, with the main plugin. So, but it seems like uh, this has been fairly smooth so far. I do have a comment though. Wait, I do have a comment, which I didn't address, but now that Sally reminded me and I, 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 so one of the things that took me by surprise, even for WooCommerce or WordPress, and, and I have to apologize because I could be completely wrong and maybe they did this already in 3.0, but I haven't done a fresh install of 3.0 in such a long time. I mean, normally I just have like a clone of whatever, is that the onboarding experience leaves you with such spammy bullshit from Jetpack that I was amazed. Here's what happens if I'm, again, if I'm repeating what's been around since three point something, forgive me, but. I don't know, because I set my, these, these are all clients I've had for a long time. And so that I've had WooCommerce install forever. Right? Yeah. Exactly, right. So what happens on a fresh install is, you know, the process asks a series of questions. Reminds me of being at another company that I love and still use, but hate for their spamminess, which is GoDaddy, right? Years ago, Bob Parsons left and then they just got more and more like, let me trick you into upsells. So you go through this process and along the way, if you don't know any better to say no, it just keeps adding stuff and adding stuff. And even though I said no to all the important stuff about, no, I don't want Jetpack or MailChimp and no, I don't want this other service or the optimization. They still put the bullshit plugin in place that is for the only purpose of having a huge jetpack banner at the top. And even though I spent all my waking moments in WordPress, I had to really search around to figure out what the F just happened. Why is this banner here that I can't remove? Turns out that you have to search for the plugin that was added on in addition to WooCommerce that's only there for spamming their own stuff. I find this so offensive on so many levels that they can get away with installing a plugin that's so fundamental that adds a second plugin just to advertise their shit. If all of us did that, we'd be back to Windows. Well, yes, I mean, this, this comes back to what, what Morton always says about... Uh, um, it would be frozen. Uh, oh my God, we're fine. Yeah, uh, Spencer and I are fine. You're the one who's frozen. We're fine. You're frozen. Oh, it was me, was it? All oh, right. It, it was you, yes. No, I, I, and I was, I was just saying in response to Spencer that, you know, it, it gets back to uh, <clears throat> that, uh, you know, that philosophical question that, that Morton is always raising is like, okay, this thing I'm considering doing, would I want everyone else to also do it? Right. Um, and, uh, you know, if the answer is no, 
hmm, maybe I shouldn't do it. Yeah, because there's no, see, that's what's wrong with this whole, the parody of power, you know, the, the balance of power is so off because if anybody did it, even a Yoast, they would, everybody would come down on them like a pile of bricks. But somehow Automatic thinks it's okay to violate all of the things they say are fund, fundamental to a free plug in their repository that installs a secondary plugin that's a phone home and it spams your dashboard and it tries to upsell you stuff. That's, it's like every single thing they said you shouldn't or can't or you'll be in trouble to do. And Auto will come to your house to make sure of that. They just go do. So I found that to be sort of a weird balance from, well, the plug, you know, the plugin itself is improving and it's working really well. Maybe a couple things are going to need some speed improvements on the dashboard. But like to balance that, uh, okay, well, here's the trade-off. It's a real odd juxtaposition. You know I mean? It's just hard, hard to balance my emotions on that. So I did finally figure out how to turn it off, and at least they allowed you to turn it off. But if you had been stupid enough to choose all those options, then you'd have to remove all those other services, including Jetpack. And I, I thought that was just unfair. Yeah, lovely. Just lovely. On to the next story. Why 543 kilobytes keeps me up at night? What do you reckon about this one, Sally? Uh, uh, he's got a lot of point. Uh, uh, he's got a good point. Uh, it's like, why is a website with like nothing on it but a logo and text uh, that heavy? Um, and what the heck is it that we have been doing to our websites? Now we've seen, you know, we we've seen various articles um, uh, yeah. about this kind of 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 thing uh, before. He's got some fairly practical. Uh, tips in here about you know CSS and JavaScript and um, uh, considering uh, you know performance and and considering the accessibility. I I find I, there there's a if you want a little you know amusement there's a link in here to a, a site called HTML and uh, you know with all kinds of examples of of bad practice taken from real life um, <clears throat> and that that between you know the problems with accessibility the problems with just trying to you know even see the thing if you're on a you know slow phone connection uh, the problem with just the fact that you know we have a lot of annoying stuff in terms of our uh, you know pop-ups and notifications and and various uh, you know social pressure. Um, so because you're still you're still in the kind of studio press world, aren't you? Big in a big way. How, how do their themes? their um, framework theme and then their child themes. In general, how do they deal with accessibility and speed in general, in your opinion? They're, I so. think they're, they're pretty good. I mean, it's, it's the framework itself is pretty lightweight. There have been some child themes, usually by third parties, that loaded a shed load of scripts, but they are uh, working on being pretty efficient. And then it's kind of a, a matter of, well, what do you add into it. I think, you know, there is stuff in core WordPress uh, that could be Im improved in, in this department. Uh, so uh, a bog standard child theme from Studio Press on the framework theme, when it comes to accessibility, where does it rate? Out of the box. It rates pretty high in accessibility. They 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 care about their their structure, but of course, you know the the big thing about accessibility is is not just well how is this 
you know, how is this theme built, which you do want to have like the appropriate headings and skip links and, you know, titles and not hiding things. And, and most of that is also, you know, supports um, SEO. But then, you know, so much is, well, what do you put in there? You know, what is it that you put in there? How is it that you, do you use your heading structure appropriately? Do you, do, do you, uh, you know, put alt tags on your images? Do, uh, yeah. do you have alternatives for your, uh, for, you know, video? Do you use um, some kind of a, you know, a page builder or a block layout that is, you know, unbeknownst to you, uh, not you know, not very accessible to the, to the user. I mean, there are certain patterns for um, accordions or tabs that are that are really difficult, and others that are you know that are that are better. So, I mean, there's accessibility is a huge thing, and it it is a lot of stuff on top of just how you design the theme. So that you know the the naked the naked theme with nothing in it. If if you did nothing but write text and and you know use the correct heading levels you'd be good uh but uh you know and there are built-in contrast checkers for things like your colors and your paragraph blocks and stuff it will it will nag you if you don't have enough uh, if you don't have enough contrast but it's still so possible to to mess it up okay so spencer first of all what do you think the article and secondly if let's say you're using Astor of alimator is it really possible to get a really speedy site and also have it you know accessible as well quite e- reasonably easily well i mean i think the article addresses a bigger picture point but i also i have a slightly different takeaway from what that is uh his point is that you know we've come to the place in the world where even a blank page is half a megabyte but what he doesn't address which is where i'm going to go with this is that in the world we live in a megabyte is what a kilobyte used to be right i mean it's like inflation right uh if you say somebody was a millionaire in 1890 that was like being a billionaire in 2020. And so if you look at the speed, I can't find anybody, even in my crappy Comcast connection, that is going to care about the difference of one, two, three, four megabytes. It used to be that I would say not that long ago, your entire page should not have more than a megabyte of stuff on it because it would make a difference. But people were still on crazy. It will make a difference to you if you're at a conference and everybody is simultaneously using the Wi-Fi. Well, yes. I mean, there's undeniably... It will, it will make a difference to you if, if you're on a, you know, 3G phone. Will, again, I'm going like, to address that point. So we live in a world of disparity because there are those that have the tools and the speed to do the things that a modern browser is capable of, including delivering content. Even if you look at a mundane site, when I say mundane, like everybody knows it, YouTube, you cannot use YouTube on a 3G. I know this because I had Verizon with Unlimited and then they kept pushing me to move from like my real Unlimited to this pseudo Unlimited, which essentially says after 20 gigabytes, you go to 3G. Try 3G on YouTube and you realize it's 35 minutes to load the first video. I mean, it's literally unusable. So that means that you're really not capable of living in the world we are in today with 3G connection. You just aren't. Because even if you're very precious website is only 200 kilobits per page. 99.999% of everything else your client is doing is going to be like YouTube and they're not going to be able to function anyway. 
So it's like building for, I don't know, like one of those reenactments of the Civil War or something, like where they loaded the muzzles one ball at a time or something. I find that this article is useful for one thing, to make somebody aware that when they're building stuff, move the bar up to like a problem that we were dealing with this week. Somebody has a very intense membership site with WooCommerce and marketing automation and tagging and a CRM and all kinds of crazy stuff. You take the same conversation from 500 kilobits and you move it up to how fast does each of these pages load in a membership site? Well, there the difference is between 10 seconds and 25 seconds. That's significant because that means somebody may or may not be able to check out or buy. But the conversation is no longer about kilobits. It's about like, what is the processes? What are the processes going on that are slowing this up? So anyway, the long story short is, I like his idea of being cognizant as, and not being sloppy, just throw everything at it, it'll work. But on the other hand, there are so many freaking things to worry about as a web developer. How could we possibly be sitting there worrying about a use case that nobody practically could have any but anyway? Oh yeah, because- not, never mind like the millions of people who live in India or rural Africa. Or I mean, they may not be your customers, so you don't have to worry about them. I'm but not but talking there about, are people who do. But, but, but I just said, like, I'm not talking about visibility. I'm talking about like if they live in Indiana and they can't load a one megabyte page because they're on a dial-up, they're not going to be participating in the internet that we know about today anyway. They're just not. They can't load anything. Nobody can run on 3G. Mm-hmm. I see where you're coming from. Yeah. So my secondary part, you know, what's your experience like using, example, Astro of Alimator? Oh, sorry. Yeah. You're using those two tools as examples, and I'm not excluding all the other page builders. Is yeah. it possible using an Astro theme, with Alimator and for it to be, you know, accessible. Um, And yeah, basically what's your experience with that combination? So interestingly, that's one of the things I'm focusing on this week because with launch flows, you know, it works with any page builder, but as a practical matter to build the, the sales and landing pages, the checkout pages and so forth, the primary tool of choice is Elementor. And I also, again, sensitive to Sally's preferences and otherwise, wanted to give Gutenberg a fair shot. Now, here's what I found out. Unquestionably, in all of our testing, um, Divi is the main criminal here. Uh, I, I love Divi. I'm sure Jonathan will be utterly shocked. Yeah, I know. I love Divi for what it started out and what it was being, and there's so many fans. I love it for any designer who wants to build pretty stuff. But the facts are the facts are the facts. On the admin side of things and on the end user side of things, Divi is a hot mess of loading so many things that it catches itself up. In fact, in situations where Gutenberg, Beaver Builder, and Elementor are just flying like the wind, Divi is like in circle of death mode for no good reason whatsoever. I can't explain why they've gone the direction, but it's factually correct. So let me address the other two. Beaver Builder is really streamlined, but it's a victim of its own limitations in many ways. Yes, it will get you the result, but it's sort of, at this point, substandard in many ways to just using Gutenberg. So I kind of feel like when I'm doing the examples, like, why am I even bothering with this? What's the point? And Gutenberg was surprisingly, to me, efficient at getting the job done with putting the launch flow stuff out there. But I found myself in many ways still going, who designed this interface if they had just expanded the fucking windows a couple things sorry it would be so easy but everything is hidden behind a trap door but aside from that surprisingly good results here's the total outcome answer astra is very lean and mean 
when you use it for its intended purpose, which is a whiteboard. And I mostly use Astra as a way to turn off the header, turn off the footer, turn off the breadcrumbs, do a full width page. It gives you an outstanding way, even without pro, to just get that done. Plus, you can generate a free child theme immediately, so you can dump a bunch of stuff in there. So it's a great whiteboard to hang your magnets. Elementor does work incredibly efficiently on the back end, works incredibly efficient on the front end for a page builder, and it can work inside of somebody else's ecosystem. So for example, if you've got another theme besides Astra and it's already there, even if it's an old-fashioned visual page builder theme or you know, X theme, Avada, whatever, it can work perfectly fine, which is what I recommend to people. I say, put in the free Elementor, don't load a billion add-on stuff. You, you don't need that. You just need the core of Elementor and you will be very pleased for building certain content pages on those pages with Elementor. If you use Beaver Builder, I say the same thing. I'm like, look, if you want to struggle through the sales pages of Beaver Builder, do it. But otherwise, use Beaver Builder for the whole site. Just use Elementor for the sales pages. And finally, with Gutenberg, I'm torn because Gutenberg, like we were talking about, to me is more of the post-editor replacement. So if you're comfortable with the interface and feel like it's not holding you back mentally, just natively use Gutenberg and you'll get great results. However, you could also do the same thing, which is just use Elementor on certain pages and have Gutenberg for the rest of the site. I am going to be today announcing my same conclusion about Divi, which is I can't recommend anybody use Divi for any of the launch flows page building or layouts. Instead, I'm going to say if you have a Divi site, use Elementor for the pages because Divi is a user experience. If, if you have a Divi site, now would be a great time for a redesign. Now would be a time to consider. Well, you know, I, in fairness, up until a couple of weeks ago, I still had launch flows as a Divi theme with Elementor just to demonstrate it, but I finally shifted. And it was really dramatically different in terms of the performance on both the back and the front end, uh, even in light of our previous conversation, which is like, I'm not talking 500 kilobits. I'm talking like... Mm. Eight seconds difference to even load an admin page. An admin page, eight seconds difference. Like I was sitting there looking at my watch every time I wanted to edit something. And that's just unfortunate. And that's knowing how to optimize it too. Thanks for all that information. But yes, that, just, was very, that was very helpful. Yeah, but just, um, I just got one additional question. You know, like I said at the start of this, um, do you think with, with Astro and one of their child themes, one of their starter themes, with Alimator, what's your opinion of its accessibility out of the gate? Is it as is I mean, it, the plugin that lets you get the starter sites? You know, if you start, you know, with Astra, with one of their starter themes with Alimator, how accessible in accessibility standards is that kind of setup? I can't speak to the design components, but I will say, as a general thing, I looked yesterday, they've got a free plugin that actually is cross-page builder compatible, right? So it's Elementor, Beaver Builder, I think there's Gutenberg and Divi. And so you can choose from any of four starter. I like the fact that for many people, we live in what I call a no-code, no-design method world, right? Nobody should be starting from scratch, even if you know what you're doing. So for that, the plugin is great. However, I do feel that there's certain compromises that have to be made, which is... You know, I mean, it's like it's like buying an off-the-shelf suit for your wedding or something or a dress. You're going to make a compromise. So when I looked at the designs, I was like, you know, okay, you know, it's fine if you have absolutely no clue what's going on, but you look like you're wearing your uncle's 
hand-me-down or something. You know, that's what it is. I can't say if it's accessible or not, but I can say... I well, there, there hasn't been a lot of you know. I, I will have to do a, a post about this and see if there are some people. I'm just interested because it is 2020, isn't it? And it's been an ongoing criticism of WordPress, and a lot of the themes is that they're grossly, when it comes to accessibility, they're really awful. I mean, truly they're just, awful. You know, it's, like, it's like how you do things today. Let me explain one of the main differences. When it comes to form over function, all right. You can't do it. You have to go the other way around. You have to go function first, and the form adapts to it. And the primary reason for that is we live in a scroll up and down world. So, for example, one of the things that used to be really snazzy and popular is horizontal scrolling. Well, do you know many people that are going to park their iPhone at the top so they can go like, let me just hang out here sideways for a while? I mean, sure, it's good if you're on YouTube and you're looking for the next video, but very few people on your business website are going to even figure out, like, wait, I'm not going to go up and down with my thumb. I'm going to go and just sit here and hang out at the top. Well, it's, I mean, you know, I'm still a relatively new smartphone user and I have to kind of figure out, well, what does happen if I, you know, swipe it this way or swipe? How, how was I supposed to know that I need to like swipe down from the top to see this or swipe up from the bottom to see that? It's, it's like, it doesn't like, you know, walk you through that when you set it up. Um, that's the, that's the point, right? Like, so when being an old codger and we're all the same, let's say like mindset, if you wanted the best opportunity for usability, it's for on mobile, at least not on a desktop, but on a mobile, come up with a design that has one action, swipe it up, swipe it down, press, that's it. I mean, and if you keep it that simple, it really doesn't matter that much what the, the design is, except those of us have been around long enough to remember avocado appliances or bell-bottom jeans or big collars know that when you put certain design... Components, I remember bell-bottom jeans twice. I know, twice, because it's been 35 years. But when you see certain things, it subconsciously will trigger an emotional response. Now, for a person who's younger, they might not have seen it. It's all so cool. But for other people, you get a certain emotional response. So from a marketer standpoint... You should be at least aware of the trends of what you're doing. So, for example, certain color patterns, certain big versus small in text, those are the places where these starter themes are not necessarily inaccessible, but just look like you're wearing something from a decade before clothing-wise. And so I would be very cautious about just relying on that versus the alternative free, out-of-the-box Elementor gives you, bo- you know, boxes and components and pre-made stuff that are very contemporary. They're widely padded, spaced, big fonts, you know, easy to use. If you just stick with that stuff and you don't know what you're doing, you won't look silly. But the designs that come in those pre-bundled things, you know, they, they just have somebody who's kind of like, let's get all the crap together we can't use anymore and throw it in there. And you know how that goes. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we're going to go for our break. We'll be back. I think we've we've had a good discussion. We've got a small panel, but I think it's been a pretty good discussion so far. Hopefully you agree, listeners and viewers. We'll be back in a few moments. Are you a WordPress consultant, designer, or small digital agency owner? Then you need WP Tonic as your trusted white-label developer partner for your next big e-learning or WooCommerce project. WP Tonic has the knowledge to help you build out custom functionality that your clients need in LearnDash, Lifter LMS, and WooCommerce. WP Tonic is well-known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with a full, no-question-asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. 
So don't delay. Find out how WP Tonic's white label services can help your agency today. Go to wp-tonic.com's homepage and book a free consultation with Jonathan. That's wp-tonic, just like the podcast. Coming back, I think it's not been a bad discussion. On to story three. This is from WP Engine, and it's multi-CMSs rises in enterprises. Um, It comes with a small article and then a very detailed PDF, folks. I was intrigued with this story a little bit um, because um, one of my clients does a lot of work with larger clients in this realm. And I got the impression that most enterprises are looking to centralize things. But on the other hand, finding the Swiss army knife that will do everything, some of these enterprise CRM, I've, I've, I've had the regrettable experience of having to use them and also consult other people. And there's a lot of things they don't do very well. So, Spencer, I'm offering a little bit. Um, what did you think of the article and the PDF or what, what, what the basic theme of the story, basically? I've had the pleasure of helping you with some of your clients that have decided that they want to create their own Frankenstein monster. Um, what I think is interesting, and we're seeing in, in our practical use, I with WP Launchify, I primarily focus, Luke and I, on entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, small to medium business, but we have a few enterprise level clients. And what we find in that world is, you know, like the Windows 95 or or I can't switch for 25 years till, you know, the Internet Explorer has already gotten cobwebs on it, is that many of them are stuck with integrated systems that they can't unhook from. And so what has to happen with WordPress, which it's actually quite a good band-aid for, is you oftentimes have to use as a way to kind of like crack a a door and let, let some fresh air in, whether it be through one of their business operations or maybe it's from their you know main information to the public side of things. But when you do, then the people that are the dinosaur maintenance crew, you know, the, the dinosaur zoologists, they can start using that as a way to feed the old dinosaur. And then they meet up at the database level. So because WordPress is really so old school, you know, a LAMP server which has Apache or Nginx doing the, you know, MySQL. I'm talking gibberish for many people. But the idea is like, it's not all the fancy new toys necessarily. The dinosaur guys or girls can connect to it in a way that, okay, we're going to have the, the, the crew who's running your business put stuff into WordPress. Now, you could do it through the normal front end. You could do it through the normal back end. Or we've often used things like, ACF Pro and some other to make a custom backend interface where you can type the data in, like an automotive client. You have a thing where you only need to type in the fields for each single auto, but because you've got dynamic content management like uh, Elementor on the front end, the design people can design something cool and the two worlds meet. But the dinosaur people, let's say you have a Salesforce integration, they can get to the same data about your users. And so those things actually end up working really well together. But here's the caveat. The mindset and the politics are where this shit hits the fan. Because the enterprise clients that we deal with have projects that they have previously spent upwards of a half a million dollars to do what a solopreneur has done for $2,500. And it's 99% just mental masturbation over what should we do next and who's going to be responsible and will this work and who's going to be the one at fault if it doesn't go. And it's not about just getting it done. 
So from that standpoint, I like a solopreneur who is able to come in and do this kind of stuff, like on a consultancy basis, but it requires a lot of trust from the enterprise because, you know, heads roll in an organization when something doesn't go right. So, Sally, what did you... And of course, if if they're not paying $10,000, it can't actually be useful, right? Um, That's another point too. Like, how is it possible that this could be done? When we did this on Drupal for half a million dollars, you're doing it on WordPress for 2,500. How is it possible? Right. What's wrong with it? Um, Because you guys effed up. That's what happened. uh, Yes. So it's looking at this, I'm like, ah, so this means uh, WP Engine is going to start offering headless WordPress in some fashion. Uh, I would imagine. Publishing publishing via, uh, you know, uh, WordPress to Gatsby or or something like that. Well, I don't think WP Engine does anything for, there's a reason for everything that we know. (laughs) Well, I don't think they would have put that kind of research in if they weren't thinking, you know, what is our next move as a as a business. Yeah, they have a bigger problem and I've discussed it openly and we talk about this in marketing automation. See, WP Engine was created by Jason Cohen at a time when the resources available were really just shared servers. We didn't have the VPS cloud. And I was fortunate enough to meet and talk to Jason at the time. I had nothing to do with him making his business. He's a genius. But they're running a fleet of shared servers that are no different in many ways than just HostGator or, you know, GoDaddy or Bluehost or anybody else. If you do not allow them to impose their draconian caching and varnish on you, you are no better off than if you're on Bluehost. And the shit is going to hit the fan with them. They know it. They've started to shift their business model towards a a one-stop services operation because, as we just talked about, Everybody else is able to offer VPS for everybody, unlimited everything. Like hosting is a commodity item. So headless. Yes, but nothing is ever truly unlimited. But I'm saying headless WordPress is one of the evolutionary things that will be part of this, where you'll be able to go to a company and they'll be like, look, the hosting's there, the CMS is there. What do you want on the front end? What do you want on the back end? Do you want this to connect to this, you know, CRM or not? All those things will be part of the process. Because I don't think WordPress by itself will just be an only standalone option. It'll be an accessory, like somebody's going to make a menu for you and your party, right? What do you want for your appetizer? What do you want for the main course? What are the drinks? And you can a la carte it. And I think they're smart enough business-wise to adapt. And that's no, I don't mean to offend anybody at that level because they were the first to come up with this managed hosting. But I no, think they currently the know first. it. Huh? It was Pagely. Was it was Pagely. Fair, yeah. fair enough, but I'm talking about early days, so I yes, would argue they, they were they were they were a very early mover in this space. I and I think you're absolutely there. right. You know that hosting companies and most other companies have to keep uh, adapting their value proposition and and uh, mm-hmm. demonst- you know demonstrating they're doing something useful. And you know it was last year, maybe the year before, <clears throat> when they you know uh, redesigned their website, and suddenly it's like digital experience platform. And I'm like, what is that when it's at home? Um, <laughs> well, the, whole, the whole model of hosting, you know, it was, it was a pretty dark, crummy business model anyway, because my understanding of it, and I might be totally wrong here, was that, you know, you used to ram, you know, some hosting providers, they knew most of their customers would hardly use the space that they Provided, so they rammed as many sites as possible, and then oh, those, oh yeah, and then and then, and then those if, that and then those that had problems when they used the support, 
the support was cut down to the minimum, so they had a crappy experience, and they would bugger off. But and they basically they wanted them to bugger off because the oh, other ninety percent never bothered them hardly ever. Uh, uh, yes, my my husband's uh, uh, website once got slash dotted, um, and you know suddenly there were millions of visitors, and the entire server went down. Um, and you know, which was why he ended up switching to a a, a host that would scale, mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> that. But it's yeah, I mean, of course, it's like well, servers cost money. We want to use as few as we can get away with. Um, and for some people, I, that is fine because you know, like ten people a month visit their website probably, and and yeah. it, it's not doing much. Uh, it's but, just like a health club model. I mean, you know, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, you see, you're you're, t- you're totally right there. Health clubs and hospitals all oversubscribe, right? You yeah. sell 12 times more memberships than you could ever fit into the club legally. And yet the reason is because they know 11 people won't show up. And in that case, when you do a business model like a you know, managed hosting, and that's why Pagely, from according to their own reports, moved to this executive level service, is that they realized that the commodity value had been diluted by so many people offering the same commodity, right? That's just how commodities work. So whatever's going on, WP Engine has the illusion still for many people that it's special, but those that deal with what they do every day and the consequences of it know that deep down inside, we believe that Heather Brunner and whoever's still in charge there is having conversations like, what is our next move? Because this can't go on forever especially when we start moving into these kinds of services, because this kind of thing will not fly on a, a, a WP engine as is. You cannot run a multi-mix of things when you're limited to 10,000 page views in, you know, as an arbitrary number. That's even ridiculous because the server has to be banged all day long for lots of dynamic stuff. And are those hits or not? You know? So it'll change. And that's okay because I think that the difference is how do you handle it from the customer standpoint? And I don't see any indication that any of the customers that have used my services personally or advice have ever said I was handled like shit or they treated me badly. They did feel a little let down that they weren't informed ahead of time of these limitations, but I can't necessarily hold it against WP Engine to come out and say, hey, big advertisement, like we're running a school bus and you're buying a seat on a school bus, so shh, don't tell anybody. I mean, that would be bad for their business. But that's factually kind of what's happening where you have to get in, ask the right questions, know the right things to get from their service people, and they will manage to to give it to you. But even then, it's sort of a well. It's you know, as as I've advised people before, you know, um, your hosts are going to limit something, uh, and you want to check out. You know, am I going to be dinged for like number of visitors? Am I going to be dinged more for bandwidth? Am I going to be dinged more for you know? It, and and they will usually tell you what the limits are on things, except your client doesn't know what any of that means. Um, so it's like, okay, well, I know, you know, if you if you know in advance, your site is likely to have, uh, you know, lots of visitors, but not be uh, serving media or anything particularly. Then you probably want something that that allows you to have lots of visitors. If you know there's going to be more stuff getting downloaded and or uploaded or whatever, and and it's a bandwidth issue, you want to check that you've, you know, that you've got bandwidth. And and but yeah, I mean, everybody in any kind of technology business has to realize that. Well, 
you know, stuff gets commodified, we have to, uh, we have to keep adjusting. We have to keep up. What, what was okay, you know, five years ago or even two years ago is, is insufficient. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, the, the problem with uh, any dynamic system, not just WordPress, is that you run into performance issues because of all the server back and forth. And yeah. so, you know, combining it with, with something that gives you a, a static output is handy for speed and for security. Right, on to the next story. Well, this is a kind of kind of fun one, but I think it's got a deeper a deeper underlying message, maybe. Um, the world's most valuable company uses migrant worker as human hand sanitizer. What did you, <laughs> what did you think of this one, uh, Spencer? I mean, this is just... This is just bad behavior, right? I mean, this is, it's, it's, it's sad. I don't know if this person did something that is deserving of this treatment, but this is like a, you know, scarlet letter kind of thing. This is just really sort of sad to see that. And this is, I mean, people are treated so poorly in so many other ways, like exponentially beyond this, but just in a corporate setting and in a way that is just like, what's the point of this? It just seems like they're trying to shame this poor guy. I just felt sad when I saw this and the fact that bad behavior can be justified at a corporation at that level. But you also have to consider the cultural and the other locations. Yeah, I just need just, you know, the ins and outs well, of it. I, I mean, I'm curious about, like, what's the difference between this and the people who stand uh, uh, outside of strip malls with those big signs? You know, the person who's dressed up as the Statue of Liberty at, at tax time, to, uh, you know, or the ones with the, uh, the, uh, the uh, you know, people, who, I've seen people, like, dressed up as sandwiches. This guy's being exposed to everybody that might need hand sanitizer. The difference is, like, it just at a human level of this human, he's being forced to do something that would put him at risk. Let's say that's the part that bothers me a little bit. But well, also- did, did he do it voluntarily? How much did they pay him? It's it, you know, I think we we maybe need a little more context. Uh, you know, is, is this the question? Why? Would yes, I mean, I don't know why they would think it was a good idea. Because why would you invent stupid? But. Um, <laughs> Like, you know, but I think the people standing outside the tax office dressed as the Statue of Liberty are pretty stupid also. And, and in Oakley, okay, it gets, uh, it's already been almost 80 degrees and it's March. Um, I'm just saying, like, if you have a situation, sorry, but if you have a situation where somebody wishes to do some crazy marketing stunt, like, you know, dress up like a pumpkin and you know, wave their thing, like, what, fine, that's a marketing stunt. My question would be, if this individual had come up with the idea, it's one thing. But I have zero doubt that he was told, you must do this. And so somebody above him was the jackass that decided, let's make a human walking hand sanitizer. And even if they were innocent in their intentions, not because he's Asian or whatever it is that they're you know, racially profiling him, but he's just have some person act as a walking hand sanitizer. It's like, what the hell is going on at that level, especially in a pandemic where you're, you're forcing a human being to walk around like a toy? That just seems like really bad concept. Yeah, I, I just thought it was a, a metaphor of our times, really. I just, uh, when I first saw it, I thought I, I just had to introduce <laughs> it. On to story five. What are we doing for time? Yeah, maybe we can fit this one. I'm going to need your help here, um, Sally. How do you pronounce this CEO, Kim? Good Lord. 
Um, I, jo- I, I just start. I would guess that J is a Y. Why? Um, I'm not sure about the. Uh, not sure about he the. He is team. silent. So, how would you pronounce it? Um, your stud. Your stud. Gig stud. I think the G is silent. At least I show people how to uh, <clears throat> tell people how to pronounce my name. Yeah. Um, so, CEO Kim Gidjard, um, how male poet became the email leader. For WordPress, um, <laughs> what did you think of this? This he's smiling. What did you think of this one, uh, Spencer? I was like, say, you're like, there was a guy back in the day who used to do beer commercials. His name was Norm Crosby. He did like Miller Lite commercials, and he was funny because he was a comedian, but he could always say everything wrong, and it was hilarious the way he said it. He used to do like Mean Joe Green. So you're like the the Norm Crosby of our generation. I can't hear we've got dyslexia, you bloody <laughs> bastard. <laughs> this, uh, this male poet is an interesting piece of software for those that are looking for a lightweight internal <clears throat> email capability. It's really quite good. Um, we tested it at WP Fusion. It works with WP Fusion, but mm-hmm. it's limited in what it can do yeah. uh, for tags and so forth. So <clears throat> I would say that it works out as somebody who was otherwise thinking of doing like MailChimp yeah. and does not have a lot of heavy interest in doing marketing automation. Very clever. I think um, the author may have taken some liberties by saying, you know, the email leader for WordPress. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yes. I, 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 you know, of the actual like do your mail within WordPress itself, it probably is. Yeah. Of all email solutions it People with WordPress sites use no, probably not. Perhaps, yeah. No, I, I totally uh, agree with you there. Um, as a, we've integrated it with my fully hosted solution for learning management systems. So we're offering um, Melpower um, at five, ten, and twenty thousand marketing and um, other usage in our packages and we tested it and um, it, it's as said it out a newsletter it's fine but then we combine it with Groundhog and we had to produce a, a plugin that would communicate with the two which we've done um, but Groundhog is a much better for the actual automation, it's on a different level. And then if you want to use external system, obviously we provide WP Fusion. If you want to integrate it with Active Campaign or Drip or something. But as a, as a, um, and on their free project side, they offer it up to 2000 emails um, for free. Well, that covers an enormous amount of users because most users don't get anywhere near 2,000 subscribers for the newsletter. I would say that would cover about 80% of people that would might be looking at it. Um, so I, I think he has got a good product, but if you just want to use it as like MailChimp, it's a... It's a very it's a very good alternative to MailChimp. Would you agree with that, um, Spencer? Yeah, I mean, MailChimp still, to me, is the great simple alternative because their functionality, the user simplicity, the interface, everything, they're still 
stumbling surprisingly with their marketing automation capability. They don't really yeah. have true marketing automation. They have this sort of hybrid. However, it's been really painful, isn't it? Uh, it's not painful because like the, the, the beauty of it is, uh, you know, first of all, Adrian is making progress with Groundhog, but at the end of the day, there's a real bifurcation of what you need to do and what you should be doing. And the difference is that most people don't realize yet, but then they have this aha moment that you don't need to collect a list of 35,000 strangers. Instead, with some basic marketing automation, you just have like a, a revolving door process. So people come in, they either say yes to what you're selling or not, and then they're out the other way. And if they drop off into your, your sales bucket, they're a user on WordPress, which there is where you can keep them and then continue to directly communicate with them from WordPress directly, not needing this old-fashioned... Let me get your email and I'll send you 65 follow-up messages that you didn't ask for because nobody needs or wants that. Nobody can pay attention to that. So if they come by your health club, they like what they see, they decide to join, then you got them at your health club and you can just put a message on the door when they show up versus like, let me keep bothering you about something you clearly don't give a shit about. All right. Um, thank. I, I, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up. We're gonna go for our recommendations. So my recommendation is that actually is is Melpo and AppSumo at the present moment has got a fantastic offer um, with Mel um, Poet. Um, basically, it's a lifetime deal. Um, multiple, um, no limit on clients that you can use the service with and you can buy up to 50,000 emails per month and that's per client. So, and this is a lifetime deal. Um, it's one of the best deals that AppSumo has done and it's an amazing deal with MailPoet. So if that's some interest in, hopefully by the time this podcast goes live, probably on Monday, they haven't totally sold out. I, I, I jumped on board and got my credit card out straight away because it's just a fantastic... It's amazing how, how good AppSumo is at, at uh, persuading us to do that. Well, it was a no-brainer, Sally. I, oh, I, yeah. Was... I mean, because they, they are smoking deals. As I have noticed that I will sometimes, it's like, oh, well, that looks really useful and it's a great deal. And, and then, like, you know... It's you like, never use oh, it. Oh, yeah, I forgot I bought that. <laughs> Right. Now you've got to be careful because you can go potty. So I I, yeah. I only occasionally buy things because you can go mad. But it was a total non-brainer, this deal. It was just an amazing deal. We could do a whole show about lifetime deals and the psychology of why they're good and bad for the user or the people selling it. Because Well, you know, you're taking your risk because they might they might disappear or they might they might do a WooCommerce on you, might they? They might just walk away from the deal. We, we can no longer do this deal for you, you know. Um, they, they were notorious, weren't they? So what, what got a recommendation of the week, um, Spencer? Yeah, this week I'm actually going to recommend a great podcast. I've listened to almost all the episodes uh, on NPR, Guy Raz, R-A-Z, has How I Built This. Just one of the most professional, obviously it's, you know, NPR, so he's got some experience and resources, but one of the most professionally done entrepreneurial motivated stories. But it's like people that you've heard of before, big companies, but the way he presents it is not your typical loosey-goosey format of a podcast. It's a produced show. So almost every episode, I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing. I'm saying like even 
your show, Tim Ferriss, there's lots of shows that are great shows, but they're loosey-goosey format, right? Conversational. This is a produced show. Okay. So there's like a sample intro and there's like a story and there's a mystery and there's the, the hero's journey. And so... Well, if very- you, listen, you listen to my interviews, it's a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> you never know what you're going to say. And a lot of my guests have said that. That was a mystery to me. But uh, yes, no, this so, is- so what was it you were trying to find out? Uh, actually, you're you're quite you're quite good at bringing people back onto what it was you wanted to ask, Jonathan. Yeah, I, I've been schooled in the BBC Radio there's, Four, haven't I, Sally? You can tell. I can't there's no, you know, there's no. This is like this is like a non-comparison. You know, there's lots of vegetables in the store. Just because you eat a tomato doesn't mean the cucumber has to feel bad. I mean, <laughs> I just I just unleashed my English sarcasm. Just because Ross has a good show doesn't take away from WP Tonic. Yeah, there we go. I think that is high praise. Sally, have you got anything you want to recommend to listeners? Uh, yes, yes. Um, the WordPress community team has been hard at work to um, help meetup organizers and WordCamp organizers um, uh, cope with uh, all of the... The plague. Well, yes, with it, with it, with the need not to hold large gatherings. Uh, uh, so, in the uh, WordPress community handbook uh, under Meetup Organizer Resources, I, there is now a nice section on organizing virtual events and things you can do uh, to transition. And there's a link in there also to more. Um, uh, uh, I think it's the Community Hub uh, page with uh, another set of massive uh, useful links um, for taking your event online. Uh, and so if you are somebody who organizes any kind of event at all in or out of WordPress, you will probably find that useful. That's great. And um, thanks, panel. I think it's been a great show. If you want to support the show, folks, go over to the WP Tonic website and join the newsletter. The newsletter has been totally revamped in 2020. We're going to have articles about e-learning and course building, but also a ton of content about WordPress and also um, the recommendations, the best recommendations of the month from the weekly show will all be there and some unique content as well. And if you do sign up for the newsletter, every new subscriber, one new subscriber per month will be chosen and announced at the end of each month on the on the roundtable show. And they will win a prize up to $100 or plus, depending if one of my sponsors will cough up a um, free plug-in license, whatever. Uh, um, nudge, nudge. Uh, um, <laughs> hint, 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 hint. Uh, <laughs> if, they, if they're not very generous, I will buy you something nice for you listeners and viewers. And um, we'll, we'll be back next week, next week with another great roundtable show. We'll see you soon folks bye bye thanks for listening to the wp tonic podcast the podcast that gives you a dose of wordpress medicine twice a week 